Hello and welcome. It's season two, episode one of Our Voices, Our Community, presented by Colors VA. We're excited to be back with everyone today, and we're looking forward to the new season covering the issues most important to all of us in Roanoke, the New River Valley, and all of Southwest Virginia. Today we are joined by Karen Jones, Will Solari, Karen Cobb and Jose Benuelos, and Catherine Cable are away this week, but we will be joined by a special guest later during the show. Since last season, we've added a couple of things. You can now listen to us on WROE 95.7 Radio Free Roanoke. We're on Facebook and we have a new web page. Exciting things are happening. So today I'm welcoming Karen Jones. How are you doing today, Karen? I'm good. How are y'all? Y'all. <laughs> y'all is fine. <laughs> you, know, you know that's my favorite word. <laughs> that's all right, Karen. Um, we're also welcome with um, William Solari. How are you doing, Will? Good. Good to be back. Are we finally, um, are we come to a conclusion, is it William or Will? I mean, it's whatever you like. Yeah, is all right? Okay. As long as we don't call you something. Yeah, I, uh, it was, I was Will forever, and then <clears throat> I got to be William at Disney, and everyone thought it was very official to, oh, be, right? to be called William. And so I was like, oh. It is. It's very adult. Yeah. Like very adult. Very adult. Okay. And you guys know me. I'm super adult. So. Uh, yeah. Always, we know you always. very well about that. And we have a, um, Karen Cobb. And Jose Benuelos are away, and as well as Catherine Cable. They'll be joining us next week. Um, but we do have a special guest, um, Bishop Jamal Jackson, um, pastor of Refreshing Church. How are you doing, sir? Man, I'm good. How about you? I'm blessed, brother. I'm good. blessed. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad to be here. We're going to have an exciting conversation um, this hour. And um, last since last season, we added some things. Um, and so we're looking forward to a lot of good, good topics, new good discussions. And we're going to kind of immediately dive into this. So today we're going to talk about um, the recent uh, gun violence uh, legis- uh, special session that we had recently in Richmond um, that our governor tried to, to promote. And it, the legislature um, during the special um, session had failed. And um, a lot of people were very disappointed in that um, that decision with our legislators, um, and particularly on the Republican side. Um, the Republicans really um, really did not advocate um, for more gun control in our state, and and I'm very disappointed in that. And um, Will, what are your thoughts on? the recent events behind that. I mean, it is very disappointing because I think whether, you know, you're Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, you name it, I think everyone agrees that some kind of common sense gun laws are necessary. Um, this kind of Wild West approach to what you can own and, and who can own it and, and all that, I, it just leads to problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we live in such a day and age where any kind of warning signs or any kind of of, of kind of precursor to that stuff is, is pretty clear and, the, and the, the evidence is there. You know, if you have a, a background of domestic abuse, if you have, you know, mental or psychiatric issues, um, we, we relatively know those things. And those should be roadblocks for buying, uh, you know, an automatic rifle or a semi-automatic rifle or a large amount of ammo or things that can cause the kind of harm that we see in, in mass shootings. Yeah. 
And not, you know, not every, not everyone owns a gun is going to be a problem, but there is a common link between all of these shootings and all these things. And it's, it is very disappointing to think that it only took 90 minutes for a bunch of know-it-all, you know, legislators uh, to shut down something that is, that is mm-hmm. clearly an epidemic throughout the United States. Uh, you are so right. I think one of the more disappointing is that people have closed their ears um, and close their eyes to kind of really what's happening. I mean, time and time again, we're having shootings. Our safe spaces are no longer safe. Um, we see that here at home. Um, we just had, you know, an uh, incident in California at a festival, right? Like a food festival where families and their children were attending. And we, we want to act like um, by putting in me- some measures, um, that's a bad thing. And it's not. It's good. Um, prior to the gun session, I attended a rally that was um, organized by um, Dolores McQuinn, who is a delegate in the Richmond area. And it was really moving to me because people were there talking about their very personal stories of how they had been affected by gun violence, um, children killed in the park, and how that affects their families. And if you're not moved by these stories, what moves you? You know, like well, that's, where and do that's, you Yeah, and that's go? the hardest thing for me to, to wrap my head around is that someone's ability to identify with weaponry, tactical weaponry, mm-hmm. silencers, all this kind of like nonsense that, 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 are, that are common throughout a lot of these shootings is more important than people's lives. Mm-hmm. That what is clear gun lobbying, you know, on the part of the NRA and the part of gun manufacturers is more important than the own voices of politicians constituents because again it's not like it's not like everyone is saying ban every gun right. put them in a pile and melt them all down or we're going to confiscate every gun it's just saying let's just be rational about this and we can't even have that conversation because of the lobbying efforts by the part of the NRA and by the part of gun manufacturers right and to immediately shut down a session without any hearings is appalling to me because that means that no one really wants to do their job. And we elect officials, whether I voted for you or not, I still expect you to go and to represent me and the other beliefs um, and values that we hold as a community. And when you have a session and you just shut it down, (sighs) that's wrong. You're just not even trying to do the job that you've been elected to do. Well, you know, just to be the devil's advocate here, because I agree with both of you on those points. But the on the other side, they are represented by people who still believe in the right to bear arms, and they feel and they feel strongly about those arms. And so those those uh, and I, I I'm going to assume Republicans who represent them. That's what they are there to do, is to fight for that. Um, I, I'm totally I'm make that very clear. Sure. I'm not for for that. But there are people in this state who who strongly believe that they should have the right to use their arms. And that's and I think that's fine. I think people should have the right to mm-hmm. own weapons. Mm-hmm. I don't think if you have a history of violence, if you have committed a certain type of crime, if you are um, touting white supremacy. If you're if you're sponsoring violence and all these other kind of things, that you should be allowed to own a gun that can fire as fast as you can pull the trigger. 
That's not a thing that you need for self-defense. That's not a thing you need for hunting. These aren't the the kind of thing. And this idea that all weapons need to go away is something that's perpetuated by the people who are trying to have them completely unregulated so they can make the most amount of money as possible. Mm -hmm. It's not really even about your rights. It's not even this kind of libertarian notion that there should be no regulation for those kind of things. It's really a group of people who want to make the most money out of tragedy. Mm-hmm. And they use these situations, mass shootings, whatever else to say, oh, look, look, this is going to be it. They're going to come take all your weapons away. So quick, stockpile as many AR-15s, as many long rounds as you can, because the government and the liberals and all these people are going to come take your weapons away. And that's how fascism happens. When the opposite is actually what is happening, you have a group <laughs> controlling and dictating society for the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Well, I know, I know our city council is, is really urging for a gun control. I know they were trying to uh, make sure that we do not allow to have guns in city council meetings, which to me... Um, it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer, and I don't understand um, how... You know, I do understand, of course, but um, it, it should, you should have to make sure that people are safe. This is a safety Absolutely. matter. Um, but yet, our legislature um, on the uh, Republican side, of mm. course, they <laughs> don't don't see it's a problem. And unfortunately, I, I you know I fear that I don't want something to happen, especially in a city or of well, we already had something happen in a federal building, absolutely, right? mm-hmm. in Virginia Beach, right. and they still. <laughs> well, and again, you know, the troubling thing is people are always going to break laws. There's always going to be outliers that will be a problem. Now, the accessibility to which we allow those outliers to have those means is something completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, and and again, I and I hate that that a lot of these issues have gotten co-opted by and in the Republican Party, it's really hard to get a handle on them because they don't have any beliefs or values anymore. So there is this notion that. Yes, you need to be armed because at some point um, you need to protect yourself maybe from a tyrannical government. But they've co-opted that and have become the tyrannical government mm-hmm. yeah. while taking away the power from all those libertarians and all those people who believe in the Second Amendment out of principle uh, through the Constitution mm-hmm. as this other kind of viewpoint. And they've clumped it in with those people who, again, self-identify with tactical firearms and drive around Jeep Wranglers with custom license plates of ammo types and all this kind of crap. It's all gotten lumped into that 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 sort of, it's not even conservative anymore. It's just gross right-wing ideology. Mm-hmm. And, and everyone's kind of at a stranglehold now. And it's really, and again, who's leading all that? The people with the money who are perpetuating this message about everyone taking your guns away and, and staying free in America, what it means to have a gun in your hand and all that crap. Right. I think it's um, unfortunate that people think that more guns make you safer. No. Because that's not true. No. More guns wouldn't have stopped Las Vegas you know, more guns wouldn't have stopped, you know, the shooting in the movie theater. Um, more guns would not have stopped Columbine and it wouldn't have stopped um, Virginia Tech. And so the idea that having more guns makes us more safer is um, not a true statement because the re- <laughs> But the reality in all of this is that when people are in situations that they're not accustomed to, they are not going to be able to react in the same manner, right? So 
if you're in a situation and guns are blazing, you're going to shoot at anybody. Like, you can't do what you need to do. But then, also, I just need like, one really good reason why someone needs a silencer. Like, what sure. purpose do you need a silencer for? Like, case, a really good reason. In case for all those times that your home is being invaded by a number of ninjas <laughs> or, you know... Well-armed tactical people, you need to be able to, to to stalk them one by one and take them out without them hearing you. Because right. when does that ever happen? Exactly. And then how fun would is it to go deer hunting with an AR-15? I mean, I think that would be horrible. And then you can't even eat the meat. You can't do anything with it. I well, need realistic when even, reason. I, I, think well, even I can't I'm, imagine thinking about that. You know, Even though I do eat meat, I just don't. <laughs> the picture that right is yeah. not something I want to see, uh, but I do know realize that it is going to be a legislature issue. issue. And um, fortunately, we do have another opportunity to flip to flip the uh, state blue in the legislature in November. And I think it's very important that we really make sure we make a concerted effort to make sure people go out and vote understand the issues that's going to be in place. And part of that is one of those issues, among other, is the issue of making sure that we have um, efficient gun control laws mm -hmm. here in our state. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to do that. Mm -hmm. A thousand percent. And it's, and it's really when those, those elections come up, I think it's a big issue of, of not voting along party lines, but really voting right. for who's actually looking out best for you. Exactly. Exactly. Because mm -hmm. every D is not my friend. And every R is not my enemy. Like, I need to make sure that the people that we're voting for um, represent my values and the values of my community. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's transition as we talk about um, gun violence. Um, recently in the city of Roanoke, um, especially the past couple of weeks, we, we have experienced a lot of tragedy um, and hurt and pain in our, in our community uh, with the recent um, deaths of young innocent, um, uh, uh, young innocent people whose future has been now extinguished. Um, and, and it's something that we have been continually been talking about here on the podcast uh, about gun violence, but it, it's still, it doesn't seem like it's stopping. And so today we have um, Bishop Jamal Jackson. Um, he is pastor of Refreshing Church. Refreshing Church serves as a community-based church connecting people, refreshing faith, and serving others. He is a chaplain for the Roanoke City Police Department, a registered chaplain for the Clerk of Circuit Courts, and a City Council appointed member of the newly Roanoke Neighborhood Advocates Board. Is that, am I correct in that? Yes, sir, I will. Is, the, it new, uh, is it newly? You've already been out. You've always been an advocate. Yeah, I've, I've <laughs> always been on the Roanoke Neighborhood Advocates Board, but the newly gun, uh, gun task, task force. force. Okay, my apologies. Yeah, that's bro. all right. That's all right. But good to see you, brother. Good to see you as well, man. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Getting better. Yeah, well, we, we recently, of course, you know, um, last Friday we had um, a prayer vigil mm -hmm. in Melrose Park, and um, my, my wife and I was in attendance, and it was uh, sponsored by uh, City Council. Am I correct? City Council, mm -hmm. and um, we've had uh, area ministers that came at Melrose Park, and and really basically um, presented prayer for our city mm -hmm. um, because there's a lot of hurt, a lot of pain that's been going on. 
And um, I'm glad that you were there. And what what were your thoughts on how you felt things were going with that? Well, um, I was uh, one of the spearheaders of that. Um, Councilwoman Trish White Boyd called me on Monday morning after uh, we had found out on Sunday morning that a member of my church had been murdered, uh, which was the ninth homicide in the city, Salonia Evans. And so um, she called me Monday morning and we immediately went to work. I think that... And there, there's some negative things that have that have been said about the prayer vigil, but in my honest opinion, I believe it was an excellent effort uh, for city council to come out, members of the faith community to come out, as well as members of the community in the city to come out and see uh, that we can actually stand together and that we can fight as well as pray against the issue of gun violence that is plaguing our city right now. What um, you mentioned negative remarks. How can it be negative? going to a prayer vigil. <laughs> well, there were negative remarks saying, what good is prayer going to do at this time? Um, there were some other things such as, uh, why are we being reactive instead of proactive? Uh, even uh, Councilwoman Boyd, um, if, well, not to throw under the bus, but it was under, it, it's out there in the um, in a newscast um, that she did. She said it wasn't as successful because young people weren't there. And I disagree with that because even if your mother, your grandmother were there, mm -hmm. your auntie, your uncle were there, um, your neighbor was there, even if nobody from your family or your neighborhood came, our voices were heard throughout the city. And uh, we may not have gotten them on this one, but who, who says that this has to be the last one? Mm -hmm. I believe this was the first one, uh, which is the first of many that will come. Um, what are the uh, other activities that will be happening after the prayer vigil? I assume there's going to be more activities. I mentioned um, City Council and uh, Trish uh, White Boy mentioned that there will be uh, uh, marches throughout the neighborhoods. Is that correct? Am I, did she mention? Um, there are some or? ideas. Okay. Some ideas floating around as to what they're going to do. Okay. Um, the question really is because there was not really an organized group that put that on, mm -hmm. uh, it became city-sponsored city because we had to use so many city influences and endorsements in order to make it happen, such okay. as, you know, the park staging and all that good stuff. Um, but as far as what is, what is next, um, until we have an organized group that comes together with some meetings to, to finalize some plans, I'm not sure what that group of faith um, leaders are planning to do. I know there are some desires that we have and I want to make sure that all those desires get put out there um, because we do plan. I know I plan to march. Yeah. I plan to have more prayer vigils. I plan to uh, host some events. I plan to speak at city council. I plan to do whatever it takes. Um, not just that, but I plan to even sit down with our gang leaders, sit down and have a conversation with them. How can we get you to put your guns down? We got our prayers up. But how can we get you to put your guns down? Because you're the ones making the calls. Yeah. Uh, you know, our drug dealers. How can we get you to stop making these calls for such violence that we're having? Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this question, because um, mm -hmm. I, I find it interesting that the reason for something being unsuccessful is that young people weren't there. Um, what steps, though, can we take? Because the violence isn't just happening among young people. Very it's, true. It's across generations. Oh, yeah. It's all ages. So what steps, um, particularly with this gun task force, because I'm really curious, mm -hmm. what steps are going to be 
are you all looking at and you're going to take um, to have more of a proactive versus reactive mm-hmm. approach? Well, with the Gun Violence Task Force, we're meeting uh, at least once a month every, um, or we're meeting at least once a month, rather. Mm-hmm. And in those meetings, we are um, mapping out which proactive measures we can do. Um, there are many people that are on that gun violence task force, such as people who are representing the schools, hospitals, local businesses, faith-based communities, um, city council members. And so when we're coming together, we're trying to find out how can we get into schools uh, so that we can te- we can uh, tackle um, the unrest that's in our schools as well as trauma that's in our schools. What programs can we offer to the community? Uh, what programs are already out there that are unheard of and how can we get those programs into the the more areas and the quadrants of our city because we focus a lot on Northwest mm-hmm. um, but uh, just the shootings that happened on last week one was in Southeast one was in Southwest right. Right. so who's to say that you know Northwest is the bad part of the city no 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 our stuff just gets reported right. <laughs> more than any other part of the city mm-hmm. but it is a problem throughout the entire valley Mm -hmm. Not just in the city of Roanoke, Roanoke County, Vinton, Salem. We're just not hearing about it as much as the news media is reporting on what's happening in Northwest. Mm. So we we are certainly going after measures such as um, safe houses in in different areas of the city. Uh, So there's an opportunity for you to go in if you're having a a trauma center in different areas. 24-hour call centers where somebody can call in and says, listen, I'm dealing with something and I need to talk to somebody before I do something stupid, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So many measures that we're looking at, even as far as jobs, if we can change the poverty level of our city, then when people feel better about themselves, they're less, you know, (laughs) liable Mm -hmm. to do something uh, that is reactionary to their current condition as far as their their socioeconomic status. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Will. Yeah, I was at the. I was I was there on Friday also, and I, and I and I do think that there's, unfortunately, because of things like, you know, the the Onion runs an article every time there's a mass shooting that says no way to prevent this, says only nation where this happens regularly. You know, there's this thoughts and prayers that always happens when something bad happens. It's like, oh yes, we were thinking about you and we're praying for you, but we're actually not going to do anything. So then, when people do get together and they do try to create something positive. We get this negative stigma, and I think this is a product of, of, of 2019 and really since 2016 in general, um, where these things that do have positive impact, where they do have a good message, have gotten ruined by people with bad intentions. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, think, I think what you're doing with, with a lot of that outreach is, is really what's necessary, because a lot of times being like, well, hopefully it'll stop is not really a good response by the part of the city or whoever else. And, and I mean, we know historically, and again, it doesn't matter what area of the city it's in, summer is a hotbed for violence in Roanoke. So what are we doing if we know that? What do we do when the data tells us that this is probably regularly going to happen? And just by proxy of it being super hot outside, what mm-hmm. can we do to change that? Can we do more things outdoors? Can we do more ways to beat the heat? Just even little simple things could have really big measures in those areas. And I think that, you know, again, some of the response from, from, you know, the police department, other places that, that frankly sort of borderline on, on racist sometimes don't do any good, you know? And sometimes it just takes a, a lot of well-meaning people to sit down together and go, Hey guys, here's a common sense solution. 
you know, we have, we have, um, people who've spent time in jail for, for violence or being in gangs or whatever else they're out. They're trying to get jobs now. No one wants to hire them cause they're, they're cons. Get those people jobs, get those people talking to the people who, who, you know, are, are most likely or who are vulnerable to getting in these kinds of situations of violence or gun violence or crime. Because again, that's where people really start to listen. I mean, I had a, had a really good friend who, um, suffered from horrible post-traumatic stress from being in the Iraq war forever, really struggled for a long time until he met a psychiatrist who was a Vietnam vet. And then really things started to make sense and they were able to have this really productive dialogue. And I don't think that's any different from the people who were mm-hmm. find themselves in these kind of situations, you know, being able to talk to the right people and get the kind of the back and forth message that you need to prevent these things, I think is a really big step towards solving these problems and not going, well, you know, downtown Roanoke isn't a rap video. Like how does that help anything? Right. That doesn't even help the department look good. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a bad message in general. So, you know, I mean, I applaud what you guys are doing. And I think the thing on Friday was, was, and again, I'm not a very religious person, but I, I found it very impactful just being there to see the amount of people that, that, that were feeling better and just even just thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Well, I agree. I think Friday night was, um, was very powerful and um, and I think it's it's needed, and we need um, continue to do that, um, Reverend. I am going to ask you a, a pretty tough question here, so okay. bear with me. Bear <coughs> oh with me, brother. God, bear with me on this. <laughs> Shall one. I start praying? Now? Well, well, you don't need <laughs> yes, to pray on this. But no, 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 you don't need to pray with this. But I think it's a question that we 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 going to have to ask. Um, you know, you know, for the record, um, we've been talking about gun violence for years mm-hmm. about that in. Um, you and I, I've reached out to you. Certainly. I'm just so yeah. it's not really about you, right? Um, I reached out to you, and you stepped up to the plate many times. And we tried to do something with the ministers, right? Because we do feel like we need to have a foundation of faith mm-hmm. to help to help us solve some of these issues. Um, and, and I appreciate those ministers that came to the mm-hmm. prayer vigil. Um, my question to you is. What are the preachers now, now that we finally got them present uh-huh. here in our community to have it, what are, is it you or uh, others are going to do to help be kind of this centerpiece of trying to help us find issues and solutions around this gun violence piece? Because, it, I mean, a lot of our, you know, there's a lot of, excuse, I mean, there's a lot of black folks go to church. Not, yeah. not, not as many as before, right. but still a lot of our elders still go to church on Sundays. Mm-hmm. And so what kind of message can we can help our elders uh, facilitate to our young kids as well? well? I'll go one step further, Robert, because I pastor a fairly millennial church. Mm-hmm. Uh, my church um, is not a big church yet because we, we just came to the city in the beginning of this year. Mm-hmm. But I look at our demographic in our church and I pastor a fairly millennial church. Okay. And my sermon on Sunday, um, uh, not just Sunday, but even what I said on Friday night, my sermon on Friday morning at the funeral for Salonia Evans um, is all around how can we as the young generation. So when people are, you know, putting that crap out there and yes, I say crap because that's, and that's a better word than what I really want to say. But mm-hmm. you know, thank you, Jesus. My conversation <laughs> 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 But you know, to say that our young people are not impacted is a lie. 
Mm-hmm. We are impacted um, because these murders are happening to our generation. But, I mean, over 260 gun-related incidents already this year, Yes, over 260, I believe that it is our time now as the faith-based community. While the iron is hot, it's easier to bend. And so uh, we are in conversation right now. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be the leader. I don't know if somebody else is going to be the leader. But I do know one thing. I have a fire uh, that's under my feet now. I have a passion that's in my heart now that I may not have had before. Mm. Uh, You know, I've I've joined uh, the group that you had. I've joined this um, gun violence task force that Joe Cobb has initiated with the city council. And so things, you know, let's see what we can do. Whatever we can do, let's do it. But when it, it knocks on my own door, I've got a whole other passion now. I don't know if anybody else has. Mm-hmm. And some people, they're tired, they burn out. But I tell you what, um, I'm connecting with preachers now. Mm-hmm. Like I said, when the iron is hot now, we're going to bend it. So there are some ideas that we have now as far as doing uh, even more. Shut down a street in downtown. Let's go march. The you know, stuff that, that worked before, it works even now. And so, um, you know, prayer a prayer revival, some continual things as the faith-based community because we are the largest group, the largest organized group that meets weekly Yes, is the church. And not just in our black churches, but even in our white churches, our, excuse me, Caucasian churches. Um, we are, you know, we're gathering those ministers together as well. They're feeling some effects of it, um, you know, in, in different areas of the city. So how can we make those larger impacts is what we're looking at now. We're having those conversations even as we speak. Okay, good, good, good. Well, um, we're definitely going to look forward to the work that you and, and other pastors and especially the the gun violence task force is going to be done. You said they meet monthly, right? Yes. Are they presenting any type of update to council? Yes, um, there is a meeting coming up. Um, we just received some information from Count, uh, Vice Mayor Cobb in regards to a update that's coming to city council, and that's going to be... Um, on we have a report to city council on November the fourth. Okay, um, is what they are planning to um, to meet. Our next meeting will be August the twelfth, but November fourth is when they're making a um, a um, a report to city council. Okay, in the city council meeting. Well, we definitely uh, look forward to that and see what um, hopefully some innovative and some creative ways to really. Mm-hmm. To really help try to solve, uh, well, at least start the starting point, be the starting yeah. point to really uh, get on the right track with some of these issues. That's we what we're trying here. to do too. Is gun violence task force is is doing the the proactive stuff, right. but it's the minister's job to bring healing okay. on the reactive side. Yeah. So we have to be that bridge between both. Uh, we we're not right there in the middle right. when it happens, but we can't get you on the on the beginning and on the after effect. Okay, well, good, but thank you. Thank you, Bishop. Thank you. And I hope you will join us on our next uh, topic um, of discussion. And it's really about uh, some of the recent events um, regarding the um, dehumanization and rhetoric, negative rhetoric by our uh, beloved president here. (laughs) Bless him. (laughs) Uh, With his recent uh, racial comments and tweets. Um, toward a lot of members of Congress, as particularly with the the squad, and that's uh, Ilian Talib and 
Alexandra Cortez and who are the other two? Melania Presley out of Massachusetts. Yeah, Massachusetts. And there's one more. Is there one more? No, you got all four. I got all four? You got all four. Okay. Um, That uh, Trump has been really been making a lot of racial comments um, online um, through through his main source of social media, Twitter. And um, and then also he's recently just attacked a congressman from Maryland yeah. as well. Senator Cummings. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the elder statements, <coughs> statesmen mm-hmm. in, uh, in, our, um, in our Congress. And now he's attack, uh, attacking him, calling Baltimore... Uh, Everything but a child infested. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and it's curious. It's you know, it's not curious. It's obvious. the The Republican Party, and again, since Trump has been elected, I think has become the the party of hypocrisy. You know, you have Donald Trump telling these citizens of the United States to go back to their own country, while his own wife is uh, is, is is a naturalized citizen now because of of coming from a foreign country, mm-hmm. also. You know, you have these people who are make these just outrageous claims. Frankly, you know, the president saying racist things and then accusing one of the few senators who was willing to work by in a bipartisan nature with with you know all different kind of uh, people within politics, uh, despite their race and religion, a racist. In the meantime, this you know this supposed rat-filled city um, has legislated about 170. Um, lawsuits and actions against Jared Kushner's family yeah. for their slumlord tendencies within mm-hmm. Baltimore. So, you know, if you really want to point fingers, you should start by looking, you know, in your own, even your own immediate family before you start telling people to go back to their own country or calling an area rat infested or whatever else. Because again, it, again, it just points out that hypocrisy. It's like Mike Pence being all gung ho for Trump despite his religious beliefs. It's, you know, Every conservative on earth, it's Rand Paul not voting for um, health care for, for, for the first responders, but at the same time voting for this insane tax bill that Trump wanted to pass that doesn't help anyone or doesn't reclaim any money. So it's, it's that kind of, again, it's just more evidence of that, that, that hypocrisy that exists within uh, the GOP right now. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that he's doing, though, is, is kind of trickling down into our neighborhoods and our communities. Um, you have people in our community are are, are kind of empowering them themselves based on that that negative that negativity of rants and and uh, racial slurs absolutely and things like that in that community. Um, have you have you guys have seen any experiences of that because of this recent rants or anything? I know well, I, I kind of have in, mm-hmm. in, in a lot of ways, but um, well, absolutely. You know, it's 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 the biggest problem is it's taking away the power of saying that someone's racist Mm -hmm. because it used to be a really bad thing and it still should be a bad thing. But they're like, Oh no, no racist is just what liberals call people. They don't agree with, Mm -hmm. which is not true. It's because you did something racist. Mm -hmm. And so that becomes the the problem is these people with horrible ideas then become empowered, Mm -hmm. you know, to, to post horrible crap on the internet or to, you know, say, well, you know, it's just as bad being called racist as it is being racist, which is not true. I think, (laughs) For me, one of the worst is that every day I have to realize that someone is who they say they are, right? Mm-hmm. So I have friends who I have known since kindergarten that I'm still shocked and surprised at 
the things that they say yet, if y'all don't know, my birthday was last week. Oh, well, happy, well, birthday. happy birthday. Thank you. Just, you. you just turned 12. Thank, I, thank you. Thank you. But as they are... Finally vote. Hallelujah. But as they are wishing me happy birthday and I look on their Facebook page and everything is anti-me, right? Whether it's anti-me as a black woman, anti-me as a woman, like anti-me. And that thought that I have to accept you for who it is that you say you are is hurtful and painful to me, right? And I was listening to Karen Hunter the other day and she was talking about how we can't change racists. Racists are who they are. I mean, that's a change that they have to make within themselves. And what we have to do really is to focus on the things we can change and kind of to work with our allies. Um, but it's really hard um, to see people in the grocery store and have to go the other way. Right. Because I used to cheer with you, but now I can't say hello because you just said something disparaging and you don't even realize and understand the impact that you're having. Um, we had vacation Bible school a couple of weeks ago and, you know, some of the youth and I hate to call. I mean, I don't know if they're youth when they're nine, 10 and 11 talking about what kids are saying to them in school and how do they deal with that? And my immediate reaction is like, oh, no, you punch him in the mouth. But that's not what I can say to the children. Um, but they're dealing with these things that because of where I am and my as a generation that I didn't have to deal with, they're dealing with. And it's coming straight from the top, from the highest place in the land. And our, our communities are being affected in every aspect. When we dehumanize people, what we're saying is they are less than they are not worthy of our love and respect and our care. And you see it every day. And somehow we have to figure out how to stop that. Mm -hmm. Bishop, you want to chime in on that? Yeah, <clears throat> I think it is It is highly, um, uh, what's the best way I could put it? It's just, it's, uh, people really didn't know what they were getting themselves into when they voted for this guy, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so much was said before he was elected. So much was said while he was being elected and a whole lot more has said since he's been elected. But yet we still have all this great support for him for the next election. Yeah. You know, a man who, you know, he, he is totally disrespectful towards women, mm -hmm. totally disregarding towards, um, you know, foreigners. But yet, like you said, his wife is not even <laughs> an American <laughs> citizen until what now? It was like, wait a minute, dude. You this it's he has gone completely far enough. Yeah. And um I'm I'm only praying that our people really come out in this next election and do something about it. Because if not, mm -hmm. it's gonna only get worse. And it's bringing it's bringing the true colors of people out. Mm -hmm. Yes. And Maya Angelou said, when people show you their true colors, believe, believe them. Because mm -hmm. yeah. it was always the, it was always embedded in them. Mm -hmm. It was just suppressed. But now that I have somebody who's given me the freedom to say whatever I want to say, they're saying it without regard and saying it without reservation and don't care. Mm -hmm. They'll call you, you know, directly to your face, call you a nigga. Like, wait a minute, that's how you get your okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, but I mean, the other piece of that, too, is that um, nobody has to wear hoods anymore. No, that scare tactic is mm -hmm. unnecessary yeah. because they can just be right beside you. And it doesn't matter. But I think, too, from a local level and looking at the people that represent us, we know mm -hmm. that the majority of Southwest Virginia with 
two, ex- three exceptions that I can think of off the top of my head um, have made excuses for the language, mm-hmm. right? And they find ways to make that language acceptable. Yes. And whether or not I voted for you, my expectation of you is to recognize that that is wrong and to call it out for what it is. Yeah. I think it's disheartening that um, when I forgot the representative's name, but when he was being accused of being a racist, Elijah Cummings immediately came to his defense and said, this man is my best friend. He is not a racist. And what has the response been from his best friend? Less than stellar, less than supportive. And until our best friends come Mm -hmm. to our defense, how do we change this? Yeah. Like, unless they're marching beside us, um, unless they are making sure that people are voting with us, how do we make this stop? What do we do? You know, it's even trickling down to our local government here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were talking about this in the, in the last um, last topic of discussion with gun violence. You know, but we got our police chief doesn't even know what to say out of his mouth. Yes, you know, True. and they're making and they're making excuses. And making excuses, kind of, yeah, like it, it makes no sense that you are you are including people into groups based on um, your own personal preconceived notions of who they are, right. when it really has nothing to do with anything at all. And it's 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 really coming out of the people that you never thought it would come out of. And, and there's still no consequences from those. At least I'm not aware of. Not at all. Of consequences of those actions that happen. No. I mean, no reprimand. As far as I'm, um, I, as far as I know, there hasn't been any reprimand. Uh, did he apologize? Did I don't he, know. Did he apologize? Did who apologize? Um, our beloved chief. No, but I think some emails came out that said if, if they're probably going to make me apologize, and if they make me do that, then I'm going to resign. Well, see. You know, again, it, it talks about you're not if they're not even caring about their comments that again is telling us what they're what they're really feeling. And I, I'm well, that's another subject. Well, I, I think, though, that it is a, it is, you know, like with your friends on Facebook or whatever else, you know, you're interconnected with people in a way where they feel like they have some security in saying these horrible things, whether it's by way of social media, by way of <clears throat> excuse me, by way of the president. And I, I think what's, what becomes troubling about that is it used to be you're at a, I don't know, baseball game with a friend and they say something kind of like, you know, I don't bring, I remember a friend of mine was telling me that they were at a football game and his neighbor who's sitting beside him, you know, they're playing a team that's predominantly black and he goes, I don't bring those ghetto rules in here. And he turned to his friend and he goes, you know, man, we're better than that. And he goes, oh God, you're right. But what about the people you can't turn to and go, you're better than that? You know, there's a lot of people out there and I don't know how you reach them. And this is the troubling thing for me, especially about 2020. How do you get those people to be rational again, who are inherently not rational? And, And when you look at root causes of things, I think that's where you start to get at it. You know, there's a lot of disenfranchised, you know, crappy white people who feel like every all their problems are because you know if if the squad was just you know they're more about america and da, 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 like that doesn't fix why you're actually angry mm-hmm. that's just you're just putting your anger on this thing and 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 i'm and I, I don't know the answer and i wish i knew the answer to 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 figure out how to reach those people the people again who identify with guns because it's how they feel masculine or secure or whatever else Mm -hmm. you know once until we kind of identify those root causes and are able to speak to people we're going to continue getting leaders like trump and continue getting leaders like you know 
like uh, Mitch McConnell, who like, you know, won't even meet with his own constituents. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting, you know, right now, especially with the age of social media, um, we're all living in silos. I mean, um, you know, the friend, I uh, looked at a posting and they were talking about the squad. And uh, I, I usually will see the, the article, but I never read the comments. And when you read, when I start reading the comments, it was like, uh, it's just like a, it was just like a match. Someone will say something, and then someone will dive on top of it, yeah. and it just gets worse. And by the time yeah. you get to the two hundredth comment, I mean it's 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 terrible. It's that venom, it, it, yeah, the venom. It's like I can't real. I can't follow the news on any social media anymore because yeah. of the 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 how vile the comments are. Mm-hmm. But they but they're now in their silo. They're in their now they know that they're. They're in a in a group. They're insulated now, mm-hmm. and so they feel like they have the authority to say whatever because now they know that they're not by themselves. Right. It was a time when you can just have one on one conversations with someone, mm-hmm. and someone will call you the N word, and then you, you know, it's between them two. But now, now when social media hits, I mean, there was an article. Uh, I don't know if you guys seen the news about uh, an older. An elderly white lady was talking to a black woman and called her the N word at the oh, yeah. restaurant. And, and then when they interviewed her, she said, "I meant to say it, and I will and say, I'll it say it again." again. Yeah. I was just like, "Wow, really? <laughs> like, really? Yeah, this is this is where we're yeah. at right now." And then that's, I mean, it's, well, she was forced to because how dare somebody be having fun while they're eating? Exactly. And then like, the horrible thing again, and I, I love the interconnectivity of the internet and how you know you can reach all different types of people and yada yada yada. But also, it's like, you know, that guy who refused to bake cakes for for gay couples. Mm -hmm. All the other horrible people on Earth got together and started to go fund me to pay for all his legal stuff. And it's just like, why are we reinforcing that behavior? And that is the downside of of Mm -hmm. some of that kind of, you know, wide reach is that, you know, where there might be one or two outliers in your town, those one and two people then all get together and march on Charlottesville. Right. Right. Well, um, obviously, um, this conversation about gun violence and especially the issue uh, regarding uh, race relations in our in our country as well as in our city will. Well, I, I, I'm unfortunately we're probably going to be talking a little bit more about this in our in our second season. So um, I do want to thank all of you for uh, being here today. Um, thank you, uh, Bishop Jackson, for for joining us today. No problem. Thank uh, you. I hope that we can invite you again. Certainly. To come back and, and share some more of the points and pearls of wisdom, I always call. <laughs> I <laughs> do my perspectives. best. But uh, typically, Bishop, usually before we go, we always talk about uh, what we're looking forward to the upcoming week before our next podcast. And so... Uh, well, well, I'll say ladies first. I, I will try to be a gentleman today. Oh, <laughs> and, and Karen, what are you looking forward this week as we uh, move forward? Yeah, so one of um, the big things for those who don't know, I'm ridiculously active um, with the NAACP, um, both my local branch and statewide. And we're going to be launching um, listening sessions across the state to better understand the issues that are happening so that we can be better advocates. And so I'm looking forward to doing that um, between Roanoke and the New River Valley to talk more about what's happening with us here. Okay. All right. Thank you, Karen. Uh, Will? I'm uh, I'm on the Roanoke Skate Park Initiative, and so... 
Monday, August 5th at 2 p.m. We're going to go speak with council again about the skate park, see about some updates, and hopefully get a bunch of people out uh, in favor of, of kind of revitalizing some of our parks, including skate parks, whether it's big ones or mini ones throughout, you know, Melrose, Fallon Park, Highland, and then hopefully building a big one in Wasina. So uh, looking forward to meeting with them again, seeing what the, the city's come up with, and <coughs> encourage everybody to go out if you, if you want a skate park. Okay. And what about you, Bishop? Well, I am, uh, as I said before, having conversations with our um, faith-based community, um, what I'm calling the gatekeepers uh, of the city. And so we are starting those conversations this week. I've got some calls to make today and tomorrow mm. to try to get us together again, uh, and this time without the involvement of city council so they don't have to come in with their biasness or um, be careful of how they talk about different things. So um, it's time for us to rise up. So we're having those conversations now to get that kick started. There you go. While, That's, while what, it's I hot. That's yeah. what I wanted to hear, Bishop. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, sir. Um, you know, this week I am looking forward uh, to the Democratic primaries, actually. I mean, I, uh, they have, what, 50 50 people running for president. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah I, think, I think we're up to 130. Yeah, yeah. 130 yeah. people running for president. By the way, guys, I'm running for president. Are you? Oh, oh, I'm I, so I did submit yeah. your name. I didn't yeah. know if the, they did get it. But I'll be on one of the 10 telecasts of all the, the other candidates. Awesome. Oh, okay. Well, well, I look forward to hearing what you have to say about Medicare. Absolutely. For Free all. Medicare. For all, yes. <laughs> so um, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, hopefully they will finally... Uh, we'll trickle this down a little bit to to see who will be actually in the running, and and Bishop will definitely be praying for them <laughs> as they go through the coup. That that's going to be what I call my grandmother say a hot mess, a hot mess. <laughs> <laughs> for the next for the next year. Uh, also, I actually I put a little shameless plug in. I'm happy that we're um, Colors VA is helping to support the Renaissance Academy. Uh, this coming up Friday, and uh, we're bringing in um, uh, WNBA uh, Hall of Famer Cheryl Swoops, legend, legend, to be the keynote speaker, and we're we're very proud to help uh, Jarrell, brother Jarrell Rhodes, and the Renaissance Academy and the L Academy um, as they tried to raise money for the Donning of Blazers event this Friday, and so we're looking forward um, to hosting Miss Swoops. And, uh, and make sure that we can give her a, a great Roanoke presentation. Um, I was thinking about taking her to the Roanoke Wiener, uh, Roanoke Wiener stand. Absolutely. Get she will love it. hot dog. Yes. Mm-hmm. To get a hot dog. And, and, and she look at me like I'm crazy. But, <laughs> but no. give her a hot but dog. But then she'll eat that hot dog and, and she'll be like, thank you. Yeah, and take her to the star <laughs> and show around our great city of Roanoke. So thank you. Thank you all. And, and, and thank you f- for listening to Our Voices, Our Community, presented by Colors VA Magazine. If you like what you have heard today, leave us a review. Also, be sure to like Our Voices, Our Community on Facebook. Thank you. So big thanks to Radio Free Roanoke, Bob and Heather, for making us part of the family. Yes, Yes, thank thank you, you. Radio Free Roanoke. Part of the family now, so really appreciate that. Each Sunday at 3 p.m., you can hear us on Radio Free, so we're excited. Thank you. Thank all of you guys. Have a blessed day.